So, we are back here on the Reset Rebel, and uh, today's show is being broadcast live, or not live really, actually, so we're on the podcast, you have to remember that, really not get too above our station. We're in the uh, Iban August uh, Cafe in the little village of uh, Santa Catrudis in the centre of the island, um, a place I don't actually tend to come very often, unless, of course, I've got a fabulous excuse, and uh, that has arrived today in the name of the gorgeous uh, Elaine. Good afternoon. Hello, good afternoon, Joe, and uh, thank you for um, inviting me along to chat with you today and to uh, uh, answer some of the questions that you might have for me. And so it's lovely to be here with you. Well, thank you very much for joining us and for coming out on this rather chilly day. It's been quite grey and miserable um, the last few weeks as Ibiza in winter can be, which I'm discovering because this is my first winter here. Um, Have you spent, are you normally here all year round? I'm here for most of the year, uh, Joe. Obviously, like most of us, we get a bit of island fever, and so therefore we like to get away. So um, I tend to sort of like do some off-island trips, uh, maybe one nice long destination. I was in Sri Lanka last year, um, and uh, this year, at the end of the year, I'll probably be off into Arizona taking a retreat there. So... um, I do like to get off and then just do little breaks backwards and forwards to London and to Los Angeles. I go to work as well, usually. So I do manage to get off, but uh, my home is here and uh, this is where I'm based. Home is where the heart is. And I can see that your heart is definitely here on the island. I mean, for those that don't really know exactly who you are and what you do as one of our Reset Rebels, just tell us a little bit about um, the readings that you do. Okay. Um, Well, I work as an intuitive counsellor and um, basically I've been involved in working with, if you like, the spiritual side of life, spiritual mentorship and um, uh, spiritual health um, uh, talks and discussions and mentoring um, for quite a few years now. In fact, I started off um, uh, with tarot cards, and um, which I still have and I still use. Um, about 45 years ago, um, my mother actually bought me my first set of tarot. Uh, she decided that, uh, that we would learn together at the same time. So that was really useful for me. Because at first, of course, you know, you start off doing your friends and you, um, you you know, it's a bit of a lark and a bit of a laugh. And then, of course, I started to learn much more about it. And so um, over the years, I've been using those as a tool um, to help people connect into their own inner world and to see what's going on and to see how they can uh, rise above certain challenges and to help them through those challenges and also uh, as a tool to help them grasp the opportunities that can come their way. Mm. And basically part of me being here on the island is like so many of the people that uh, you will be, uh, that will be your audience here, um, is that I also reset and um, I was um, for many years in the corporate world and um, I feel like my counselling and intuitive work was kind of something I did in the background, um, you know, at weekends and uh, other times, you know, evenings, if you know, with clients. Um, because like most of us, um, I needed to pay my rent, uh, pay my bills, have nice holidays and um, also enjoyed what I was doing in the corporate world at the time. And Which was what exactly? I was a customer relationships ma- manager and also a, a marketing executive for um, within the aviation industry. 
So really, <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> I had no idea. That's hilarious. Yes, I used to travel all over the world and uh, meet uh, lots of interesting people. And I think doing those sorts of jobs and give many presentations in front of a lot of people. Um, and I think that's what's, uh, in fact, helped me with the work that I do now. Yeah. Is that I feel very much at ease dealing with people from all nationalities and cultures. Mm. And um, also it's helped broaden my perspective of the world and uh, the experiences that I've had have certainly helped me understand others and empathise what people can go through. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, well, I've been on the receiving end of that and I've I've witnessed it firsthand and it is, you know, like you say, uh, a tool that you give people, I guess, Mm. to sort of actualise their own in a world that you know mm. is there for the taking if yeah. they knew how to get yeah. there and sometimes we do just need a little yeah. a little uh, technique or yeah. or way of accessing that information which obviously is what you do do mm. i mean how did you you say you started with the tarot cards mm. but you know what i mean obviously you do readings and other things besides and what, why is that sort of something that's quite close to your heart in that way well, if I, I can, if I can kind of rewind back to my childhood, actually, because um, I grew up um, in an environment which wasn't um, entirely normal. My mother um, used to have very interesting people come around the house that used to talk about uh, the world, the universe and everything. And probably one of my earliest mentors were people that were members of like mystery schools like the Rosicrucians and the Theosophical Society and um, we used to have um, a weekly circle at my home, meditation circle um, which was at the time um, developed um, um, and and actually hosted by a lady called uh, Gina and Gina's mother was the last woman in England to be tried as a witch, a lady called Helen Duncan. So I used to grow up, I grew up in that kind of environment where we used to have these very bohemian and eccentric people that would come round. But for me, it was just amazing because it really opened my eyes at a very young age from about 12 onwards. So um, my own development in this world has been ongoing since I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And um, so for me, um, it's quite natural. For what was perhaps very unusual for other people was actually very natural for me. And um, it helped me then develop over my teenage years. I was probably usually to be found in some meeting, either at St. James's Piccadilly, which I'm sure many of your readers might know about, that give really interesting talks. Or I was at the Theosophical Society or... or, um, any other meetings of a similar ilk because they were to me basically more interesting than going out and hanging out in a club or a bar or anything like that. I was really about expansion of my awareness and my consciousness at that time. At about my early 20s is when I probably realised, oh, now nah, I've done enough of that. I actually want to go out and live a little. And that's when I probably really developed into my career and um, in the corporate life. And so went out and uh, got jobs within the um, travel and aviation industry. And, you know, and that was fun. And I had a great time doing that. But it was probably by the time I was in my 40s that I realised that this isn't actually what I want to do. And I was actually doing a lot more readings in the background at that time. And I realised that uh, it was time to perhaps change the emphasis of what I wanted to do in life. And reset yourself. And I did. But I had a really great push into it because for a while I was ignoring it and I was kind of 
um, like thinking, oh, you know, no, this is great. The money's great. I'm doing really well. Why should I, you know, I'm used to a certain standard of life, of living. Um, why should I do that? Um, it wasn't until the company I worked for made me redundant for the second time. <laughs> I hastened to add because they asked me back and then I got made redundant again that I really felt there's a message here Mm. and I need to start listening to it. Mm. Um, It's worse than being dumped. Oh, my goodness me. But, you know, sometimes, I mean, a great believer, everything happens for a reason. And so, and it brought me to Ibiza. I was based, uh, finally, I, I was based in... London. I'd been working and living in Geneva and Montreal and I'd lived in America. And finally I ended up in London. That was where I was finally dumped. And that was probably the good place to be dumped because if they dumped me in Geneva or Montreal, I might have just stayed there or or Los Angeles. I might have just stayed there. Um, But I got dumped in London. I thought, I don't want to stay here. Mm. Even though I'm a Londoner born and bred. But I actually thought, no, I, I, I want to go somewhere else. Why? Um, it was at that point where I felt that uh, both personally and professionally that I wanted change. And I've been resisting change until change made things happen for me. And uh, but why were you resisting change? I have to ask that question. Well, because it was very comfortable. I had a very good lifestyle in London. I had a, was earning quite a bit of money and uh, I had a good social network. And I had a client base there as well. So All things that are quite hard to walk away from when you make that final decision. Absolutely, Joe. And so when I came to Ibiza, um, because it was by accident, I was actually going to stay on the mainland. And um, it wasn't the, it was actually a friend of mine who was living here who turned around and said, what are you thinking of? Come here. I've just rented this great big house. Come and share it with me. And I thought, why not? So I had a car full of stuff, um, which I'd been dri- I drove across Europe and dro- through France and Spain and uh, got on the ferry. And here I, voila, I was <laughs> Hola. 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 I was here. We'll take it. French, Spanish. We've got Absolutely. the right old mix going on this island. France, let's bring a bit of French into it. So, um, so yeah, so I actually got here uh, to Ibiza. And uh, for the first... Um, a few months I really didn't know what I was going to do here I kind of was taking a break I was kind of living off the my earnings and um, my redundancy payout which was quite generous and and I thought bloody right yeah absolutely absolutely so I actually thought what do what do I really want to do Um, and so I got a I I actually started off here um, working in the airport um, because the aviation industry, oh, really? absolutely, I thought, let's just take a job in the airport just to do something until I find my feet of what I want to do. Um, up, long story short is that I actually then started to get more clients on the airport uh, on, with my intuitive readings here. And the job in the airport also was another push because the, the company that I was working for, they, they folded and um, it was dumped all again. a sign. I was dumped again <laughs> because I was <laughs> probably not taking my own advice. And when the universe starts giving you messages, pay attention. Mm. So in that sense, it was actually quite a good learning curve for me to actually, for me also, not just to tell people to pay attention, but for me also to pay attention. Mm. And so I find, you know, fully now immersed in um, in seeing clients. I don't do anything else um, apart from obviously giving talks. 
um, and writing. I'm doing a fair bit of writing now, and I've got a book that I've been working on for the past year, which um, I'm still working on, because obviously I've been very busy. I get very busy, and it kind of like sits on the back burner for a bit until I think, oh, I'm feeling inspired. Let's go back to it. So, um, so I am doing more of that as well. But um, I love what I do. I love meeting people, and I've. And how does it feel then to have kind of, you know, changed the game, so to speak, and, and you obviously moved here and now you're doing something that's clearly just kind of opened itself up yeah. to you and giving you yeah. that calling and giving yeah. you that push to, to do what you really want to be doing in this world? Um, well, one of the main things it's done for me is to make me very happy. And that you can't undervalue that. Um, so we have taken... A little reset ourselves at mid-show, haven't we? Uh, we've um, <laughs> changed location because we decided that amongst um, other reasons, there were a few uh, a few little interruptions going on in the background of the cafe. Um, so the slight disjointedness um, is going to be um, led forward um, in the beautiful little casa, actually. At all, Elaine, all, Elaine. all in the grand scheme of things, I'd say. Exactly. One ha- must adapt. Yes. And we're now in Casa Elaine. In the middle of Santa Catru- uh, in the middle of the island in Santa Catrudis, which is where you do your work as well. That's right. I have my office here. You have a little little creature sitting on your lap. I do. I have my medicine cat, Princessa, um, who is. Uh, a, she's also um, she helps my clients actually because they sometimes they could come in. They might be a little bit fraught or rushed or um, have something that they're dealing with, and she just comes in and she just gives them love and uh, helps them to calm and to be at peace so that uh, when we're working on the session together she's doing her own thing healing in her own way animals can be such a tonic like that can't they a lot of animals already on this show we've kicked off with toby clark and his four cats i believe it was or definitely three anyway and um yeah they are just like real lessons in how to give love unconditionally they are because they are what i call heart openers they basically um they ask nothing of us but um but they do give us such unconditional love and um i know um it always interests me that even in the field of medicine that they are using animals more and more Mm. um as companions and as to help people heal you know, they're opening up their heart. They're making them feel relaxed and calm, which is really important. I mean, I, I'm not quite sure <coughs> if a parrot would work because they'd be screeching quite a lot and that might be a bit upsetting. But I know cats and dogs certainly do work in that way. So we were talking about your um, having moved to Ibiza from London and you threw all your stuff in the car and um, mm, had this massive career change which I'm, I'm I'm still quite fascinated by I love the fact that you've I love listening to these stories about how people come to Ibiza it's yeah. always a fascinating thing yeah. but obviously you were saying that you know the one uh, upshot of all of that change big change is yeah. is your happiness yeah totally um and I don't want to say that as a blanket statement because in life you have things that happen to you that you you know that uh, things can go wrong with your car and you don't feel quite so happy that day but I'm talking about generally and I would say generally that the quality of my life has changed. I've made so many wonderful friends here on the island. Um, people come from all over the world, from all walks of life. And uh, the fascinating thing about Ibiza is that there are so many people here that want to reset their life. Um, I guess in the normal world, some may, pe- may find that as escapism. But I actually think that uh, we've got it right. 
you know we aren't escaping we're actually um, embracing a new life and a new way of living taking risks um, breaking away perhaps from the constructs of the past where perhaps we were working in environments that were very hard on us very hard on our system we had to learn to survive and you know it was dog eat dog sometimes and very Machiavellian environments that uh, the corporate world can be and for us to actually I feel be courageous and and take that leap of faith in ourselves um, and I find that's when magic starts to happen in your life when you start to believe in yourself what a scary little journey that can be. It certainly can. I mean, I think also, you know, I always like to bear in mind that we all need a good dollop of common sense as well, so that we're not actually being a bit water ish in our endeavours, but we also are taking risks that we feel, and I've emphasised the word feel rather than think, that we feel are right for us. Because sometimes, as we know, the mind can lead us down um, it can be really great, giving us inspiration and ideas, but it also it can hold us back through our fears. And I think sometimes um, in life, one of the things we are faced with all the time um, is our fears. And it's not the actual challenges that arise in life, Joe, that matter. It's how we react to those challenges. Those can be our defining moments. I couldn't agree more. Um, definitely. I mean, those defining moments are the things that we can use as catalyst points also yeah. to grow and change and yeah. make these big, wonderful decisions to move forward in ways that we hadn't previously considered. Well, I think this is why um, defining moment for me was the, the, the realisation that do I still want to go and find another job in the corporate world? Or do I actually want to go, nah, I'm going to try something else. Don't know where this adventure is going to take me. And um, I have to say, um, it's been a really interesting journey. And most of it has been really great. You know, um, obviously, as you you get those little parts of the journey where you, you feel as if you're hitting a brick wall, but you stay still in those moments. You don't resist them. You don't run from them. You don't try to force them. And you try to see what it is um, that you're being told. And I think uh, one of the things, I'm digressing a little bit here, but uh, one of the things that's really important... I love it when you digress. Do you? I know. It's, uh, <laughs> all these thoughts come through my head. And uh, one of the digressions I'm getting here is that uh, it's really important for us to listen. So many of us ask question after question after question. We want to know the answers to everything in life. And we keep piling one question on top of another question on top of another question. Why, what, where? Um, And it's important to find time to listen to the responses that your inner temple, if you like, for want of a better word, um, is trying to tell you what your own, if you like, your own frequency, your own... um, yeah, what what it is that you need to to be aware of, and we don't often take the time to do that. Wonderful thing about being here on a beta is that there are many people here that can help you tap into that, whether it's through practices of yoga or meditation or quiet time or whatever you want to call those connection with nature, um, which is so very important to me because, um, as you know, Joe, I think that I'm a member of. Um, the order of bards, ovates and druids, so I follow the druid path. So nature to me is really, really important, mm. being in nature. 
I don't really know what this, sorry, this membership of this group, I have no idea who they are, I can't ah, lie. Okay. And All I'm right. sure most of the people listening to this have no idea either, well, so do do furnish us with the details. about it, yeah. Well, the Druid Path is probably, if you're um, uh, in Western, is probably our, our, our Western philosophy, actually. Um, it goes beyond the Christianity and also the Celts. There are many people believe that the Druids actually were already in Britain um, when the Celts arrived and that uh, the pathway for, for that is really it's it's a path of be- or belief you know uh, there is life in everything and that we're respectful of all life whether it is human creature animal seen or unseen because we realize there are many things um, which our uh, limited human capacities can can actually visualize or hear or experience because we are limited and there are many other um, life forms that inhabit this planet that we have very little awareness unless we look down a microscope at them or we are very sensitive and we have empathy with the energies that are working on the earth and part of the thing about that i love about um, the druid path is that it's not a religion it is a philosophy mm. and so therefore you don't get caught up with somebody being the leader of this and the leader of that you are your own leader if you like and you follow your own path and indeed you have and that's led you to Ibiza absolutely absolutely uh, I will hasten uh, to add that you won't really see me dancing around Stonehenge where, wearing white robes flowing white robes or anything like that not that I have anything against that at all if that is your wish um, my own path is a private path but I hope that the philosophies and the things that I learn and the teachings that I learned from this path I can certainly share with others mm. And so what is it you feel that you're, you know, sharing here on Ibiza exactly? I feel that I, what I'm sharing is people's own knowledge, which they have forgotten. And sometimes you need to come and see somebody like myself just to get a different perspective on your life. You have the, all the answers within. I know it's a cliche to say, but it is true. And that sometimes um, all you need is somebody to give you a different perspective, a different viewpoint on your situation at that time. Mm. And how you then can, by having this different perspective, it sometimes lightens the situation for you. Or sometimes, in, or inspires you, which is really wonderful when, you know, it's not all about people coming to see me because they have a problem. They just might be a bit stuck. And that is only their problem. And they actually just need to branch out a bit. I've had people in, um, sitting with me in my office and we've had paper all over the floor, mind mapping, even a business idea, you know, and getting excited about how somebody can carry their business business forward just by doing simple marketing techniques um but it's inspiring for them to do that and um it is important that you know when um i'm doing this work that i help people to tap into their potential that's my job is to give them inspiration guidance and to help them see their own potential um so they see their own magnificence their own greatness it's not external it's what they have already that is a beautiful gift right there. And I, and as I said before, I have been to see you several times for, for that exact 
thing and I have walked out of this house feeling very inspired and very yeah like there's new opportunities coming up in my life and obviously you give someone a reading and they can take as little or as much from that guidance because that's what it is it's guidance it's not this is a fact it's just your your intuition and obviously the cards and everything else that comes up for you with it when you meet someone yes and also you know it is and I don't mean to say this as a cop-out because I know people can take it that way but um, you do have free will, absolutely. Whatever I, I'm going to um, share with you, which is coming through intuitively, um, whatever I'm going to share with you from what I see um, and what I feel um, is yours to do with as you wish. And you may find that if it doesn't make sense to you at the time you have um, a session, that maybe a year or two years later, that all of a sudden you feel, ah, I feel, I understand that now. Um, So we don't always understand these things at the time. Sometimes we do and we can think, right, great, I've got the tool that I need to to move forward with. And other times it takes a little bit longer and it depends on you. It depends on whether you're ready and it depends on whether or not you feel that you, you have an understanding of what's being asked of yourself by yourself. Because we're on this journey to learn. We're on this journey to without it sounding too much like a school. I I don't like that too much, like, oh my God, here's another life lesson. But we're here to experience, and that is the important thing. It's our experiences. And it's funny, I was having a conversation this morning with somebody, and I was just talking about how um, you might as well just do what you want to do and enjoy it. You know, it's, it's like you've got one life here as you, you may have had many lifetimes as other people and other situations, whether it was a, um, a sewerage collector or, or an emperor, but you may have had, or empress. You may have had many, like, or priestess. You may have had many lifetimes doing all these wonderful things or not so wonderful things. But you have, um, I look at it this way, I have one life as Elaine Mary Collins. And I might as well make the use, the most of this life and enjoy it. Treat it like a child in, you know, being in a sweet shop and being able to experience all the things, all the wonderful flavours of life, mm. if you like. And I think we can hold ourselves back too often by our fears. Oh, we can't do this. We'll never be that. Well, unless you have a go, unless you actually do something that you enjoy, you're never going to ex- find that, that out. So what would be your top tip then to move beyond this fearful phase that often people are um, held back by when they've decided they are going to make a big change in their lives. How do you move beyond that? Because obviously you come here, you get this fantastic guidance, but actually going from A to B, have you got any kind of um, good kind of uh, guidance on that front? Yeah, not to take it all so seriously, to be honest. Um, Sometimes we can can take our, you know, ourselves... And our life experience way too seriously. And we are here. It is a game. There's a wonderful book that I usually advise people to to read. And um, it's called The Game of Life and How to Play It. And it's by a wonderful lady called Florence Scovel Shin. And she wrote this book in the 1920s. And I'll tell you now that most of the self-help gurus that we read today, um, and even Louise Hay, Wayne Dyer, all these people that have admitted to have read that book. And that actually was the basis of many of the self-help books today. And I would recommend anyone to pick this book up. Um, and it is truly the game of life and to see life as that. 
to not get caught up in the intensity that we must achieve, we must do this, we must do that, and to actually relax. And one of the most important things, um, I often find that when we get ourselves into a bit of a state about life, is just to stop what you're doing. Even if you're in the middle of some important task, stop. And just have a moment just to be still. Pause. Find that peaceful moment within yourself. Take a deep breath and move on. Move forward. Um, and so in a way, I would say to people that um, it's to see the humour. What I often love is when you see, um, I like people like, you know, the Dalai Lama's always laughing. You have an interview, see him in interviews. He's cracking up laughing all the time because he realises there's nothing that, uh, you know, don't take things so seriously. Ram Das is another one that I, um, person that I like to listen to because he's always laughing. I'm reading the book of joy actually about when the Dalai Lama met uh, the archbishop um and yeah that meeting that happened between them in yeah. the Dharamsala in yeah. India in the north and it's it is really really fascinating but it is absolutely peppered by this wonderful wonderful humor yeah. um and and that's I think for me, anyway, is definitely and definitely something I've experienced a lot with you. Yeah, it's just humour, and humour is really the key to everything. If you yeah. can laugh about yeah. anything and everything, sad or dramatic yeah, or exactly. you know horrendousness in this yeah. world, eventually everything has to have a light yeah. side because there's. Well, we know, and I think um, you know, <clears throat> being British, um, that I have an understanding of this, and and you yourself, Joe, um, in our culture, and I have to speak culturally on this. Um, we have uh, the ability, um, it's well noted, to laugh at ourselves. And it's a, it, it's a way that we cope with things sometimes, is to actually see the joke, jokey side of a situation. Even in the most horrendous things, in situations, people's deaths. And, you know, uh, um, eventually we find a way of seeing something humorous in life. And it's not to say that certain serious things that happen, and many people are suffering in this world today through illness, bereavement, you know, a sadness about what the world is, the state of the world. Um, but that energy of staying in, 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 uh, staying in that energy isn't really going to help the world change, isn't going to really help us change. And I'm a great believer that we operate through frequency and that if we change our frequency, we often change our world around us and and to me it's like you know I love quant the fact that quantum physics seems to be the buzzword these days because uh, a lot of the stuff that's coming out through the theory of quantum physics over the years is basically what people like myself that studied uh, the esoteric path or metaphysics we've known for centuries um, all about energy and the way that energy can be moved and shifted and transformed and um, I love the fact that science is finally catching up mm. Um, and I feel in a sense, you know, when we talk about energy and when we talk about frequency, that we are changing. Um, but by changing that within ourselves, within us, we then have an opportunity to change our external world. And what's your biggest transformational tool that you turn to then in those moments when you do want to change the game or, you know, for somebody else to help them? What's the biggest or the best piece of kind of uh, technique that you go to in those moments? Um, I find that um, I'll either watch something funny or, and really, just as simple as that sometimes, put on, 
you know, if you like Seinfeld or you like Modern Family or you like a movie that's made you like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels always made me laugh. I love that film with Michael Caine. It's just too good for words. It is too good for words. And, you know, films like that, sometimes you need to... to, um, and, And I can develop that further, is that sometimes you need to get yourself out of a rut. And sometimes watching funny things helps you do that. And what it does is when you start laughing your frequency begins to change. You're uplifting yourself. You're not looking necessarily for some guru to come along um, and give you all the instruction. You're doing it for you. Um, the same with, I, you know, obviously I, I, I see a lot of people that say, oh God, when am I going to meet the man, woman of my dreams? Um, and, um, you know, and I, I don't seem to meet anyone and blah, blah, blah. And I often say to them, well, sometimes, you, you know, the, the art of romance is so dyed in many areas of our life that we need to connect back into that. So I'll say, well, watch The Princess Bride, Enchanted, any film like that that actually makes you feel connected into that part of you. Because we're so multifaceted that sometimes we forget to plug into that aspect of ourselves that needs feeding. So, you know, simple techniques like that that people do. Read a marvellous and inspiring book that gets you motivated. For me personally, it is, um, uh, you know, I get inspiration from my own meditations, from other people that I meet generally in my day-to-day life. I'm always learning all the time. I will never stop learning, I hope. Mm. I I love the fact that you... um not only kind of uh, recreated your life by by moving here in Ibiza, but you also um, found love, which a lot of people sort of say about Ibiza. Oh, you're never gonna you're never gonna fall in love in Ibiza. There's no men here. There's an absolute shortage of this or that or the other. Um, generally, for us women, because there's a hell of a lot of gorgeous thirty something, forty something women, fifty something women that have come here solo, yeah. um, like your good self, yes. and. Uh, it kind of you know I know that you get a lot of people that come to you that are single and they're looking for a lot of love life advice uh, through your readings so I found it you know you're a second probably interviewee actually in this series who is with someone a little bit younger which is also a beautiful thing and I I love that about you I've loved it since I first met you and I heard this story I don't know if you care to share it yeah well I age is just a number I want to say and uh, um you know I've uh, uh my first husband was 15 years older than me and my second husband is, and my last, I sincerely hope, is uh, 10 years younger than me. So age is just a number and it's how you feel. And um, my story with that is basically, um, I always say to people, when they say, when are we going to meet someone? Well, I always say when the time is right. You have a sacred contract, which you're walking, you know, you're fulfilling in your life, hopefully, or you're trying to find a way to fulfill that. And so do they. And we sometimes always think of just ourselves and our our input into a relationship. When am I going to meet someone? Where somebody um, might be sitting in, in, and I often say like in a coffee shop um, in San Francisco, he's sitting or she's sitting there at table thinking, when am I going to meet someone? So there's two components to this relate to a relationship. And something can, extraordinary must happen to bring you both together at some point. And it's all, I always feel that's part of the sacred contracting, that you actually cross paths at a certain point. And in my own experience, um, with my first husband, he was brought to me as a birthday present by a friend. And uh, he was fully clothed, I, I will hasten to add. But <laughs> that was my next question. Sc- yeah, I, I, 
Um, intuitively, I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> my job um, anyway um but he had a bow tied around his neck which was his scarf actually um and so that was a, an extraordinary meeting because that that was something that was completely out of the blue and and you know and the rest as I say with history with that but with my second um my second marriage um I met my husband I was introduced to him at Kewbridge station and by a mutual friend, and if that mutual friend, you know, wasn't didn't know him and didn't know me, we would never have met. So um, it was one of those one of those things, you know, that it was the timing was right. And um, I came to Ibiza, and um, he followed me out here. So um, yes, you know, like every relationship, I'm no different from anyone else. There are some times where we probably. Um, don't want to speak to each other at all. So I go out and he goes out. But there's other times, you know, like for the main part, is where we really get one another. And we really work at our relationship. It's like any other relationship, it's had its moments. It's had its ups and downs, but we also have mutual respect and love for one another. Yeah. And I think giving your relationship space is really good because I do not believe that love is something you have to cling on to and be very needy. Love to me is about allowing each other to have space to develop and to have interests that aren't always in common but can bring interest back into the relationship because you've got to talk about something that's different. So I think it's important to have your own thing going on in life, however close you are. Mm. I think you just got to be lit up about whatever you're doing and once you are firing on all cylinders, essentially someone's going to be attracted to that because being incredibly into whatever you're doing in this world obviously yeah. you know is a really sexy thing yeah. and um it's definitely one of the reasons that I really want to continue working on this little project of mine yeah. on the reset rebel as well because I just know that it really you've makes my heart sing yeah you've got enthusiasm and in fact it's interesting you say that because um uh, something that I um ask people for what are you passionate about because when we have a passion for something um, that again is an energy, is a frequency, and we start to draw towards. When we're passionate about something, we start to draw towards us the things we need to make that keep that passion ignited. And um, and I feel that it's really important for us to do the things that we really love to do, which is why I love some of the anarchy that's going on with um, uh, people that are younger today that are actually saying no to certain things that our parents and, and people of my generation, I'm in my 60s, people of my generation are, um, we we stayed conformist in a way. So I actually quite love the fact that the younger generation are going, no, we don't want to live like that. We're interested in sustainability. We want to know, we want to change the plan, the things that go on on the planet. We don't like the business models, which are you know, hugely masculine constructs, which is why women are, uh, end up in corporate life acting more like men than men themselves sometimes. It's totally, um, uh, you know, not exactly the right way to be. And um, I feel that they're going to challenge all that. And um, I would love to see where the, all this is going in the future mm. for, for people. Well, the opportunity range has changed, doesn't it, with technology being the way it is these days. And you can, the thing I find confusing though really is like 
because of what's at our fingertips, it feels like you can do anything. And that's kind of what we're told through social media channels, particularly. But, you know, it feels like uh, there is this ability to tap into whatever it is that you love Mm. to do in this world. Mm. And that is a beautiful thing. But if you don't know what you want to do, it can be a real mess to try and figure it out and mm. um, I feel like perhaps that's probably another reason that a lot of people do come and see they you do, yeah. is to try and get to the bottom mm. of that conundrum and you know I'm not one of these people that kind of um, went into university not knowing what I wanted to do like I specialized in my journalism and that's yeah. you know I knew what I wanted to do from probably mm. eight I knew I wanted to be the next Kate AD, be a war journalist and I didn't become a war journalist because I realised I was probably going to die and I was a little bit scared. But I did become a journalist in London and that's what I did before I got into yoga. And it's, you know, I think some people are absolutely hell-bent and sure about their path in life and other people really don't have a clue. And it's very difficult to decipher, you know, what that is that we are supposed to be doing with our lives, our purpose, our dharma, our, you know, our reason for being here. Well, I'm just the same as you. I think sort of like start out with a, um, you know, automatically knowing what I was going to be doing in life. It evolved. Mm. And I think this is this is interesting. This process of evolution um, is, is quite an interesting thing. And that's why we shouldn't be too hard on ourselves. That even if we don't know what we want to do right now, um, I sometimes say, well, choose to be confused. Choose it. You know, you know, there are times when we just don't know all the answers. So relax about it. Don't actually get yourself into such a state feeling you must be driven to achieve this, do this. Why don't I know what I'm what I'm about at the moment? You know, one of the interesting things that when you start on the esoteric path, actually, we're told that um, one of the most important things is to know thyself. And we sp- can spend a lifetime trying to know ourselves. We cannot at one. There's never one defining moment where we say, "I know me." As soon as we start saying, I know me, then something will change in our life because we have to, it's, it's, that's become too ordinary then. We've grasped that, so we need something extraordinary to, to take us onto another level and change will come with that. So I always feel that don't, the, you know, if you're not feeling sure about what you want to do in life, if you don't really have any clue, don't panic about it. Mm. Something will always rise to the surface at some point in your life where you feel that that's what you're interested in. And it's entirely up to you whether or not you take the opportunity to do something about it. Yeah, I just think, you know, well, I think I've had two good bits of advice. And if in doubt, uh, do nothing. So when you're not sure, don't make any drastic changes if you're really not sure and wait till you've actually got a bit more of a download on on what's next. But also, you know, there's just nothing wrong with not knowing what's next. And we as human beings find that very, very challenging to sit in that position where we have no idea what's coming next. And that's actually where I've been now for about four or five months. And it's really done some crazy things to me. And and I just find it a fascinating thing when you really don't know what you're doing. Um, what, What can happen in your mind? Like it can send you kind of back crazy actually at certain times but you know the more I'm letting go of the outcome which is what another editor said to me once it just feels Mm. like yeah the magic is unfolding organically to a degree that takes us to uh, think about expectation expectation on ourselves and on others and uh, um, I've actually learned and I've learned that quite well over the last uh, year or so about my expectation of others Um, and I've learnt not to have 
that expectation anymore. It's actually brought me a lot of peace. Um, you know, because in life one can have friendships or relationships where one feels disappointed ultimately. Um, and it's sometimes been very hurtful for me. So I've learned um, to actually to go through life without an expectation. And it's not to feel that you're being sad by having no expectations of life. Of it. It's just very liberating, actually. It just sets you free. And you actually just enjoy the moment that you're in rather than projecting into the future about an expectation of somebody or a situation mm. or a job even. Mm. You just, just enjoy it for the moment. Well, that's definitely what it's all about, for sure. Because every time I get caught up in what's coming next, looking into the future, that is when I get mm. stressed. That mm. is when I have a freak out. Mm. And the more I can just mm. be in the here and now, the better things generally tend to be because we can all just worry 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 and exactly. it's just not helpful for anyone yeah. or anything well i think this is also because of the way i work also i'm not just sitting here and giving people predictions about the this and that i'm actually helping them to focus on what they're what they feel at this moment mm. and what perhaps they are getting a bit caught up with a bit tied down with um and that's actually progressing them where uh, it's uh, stopping them from progress sorry um even to the point where you know get people sort of saying well i'd love to come and see you but i don't know if i can afford it and i'm just saying well if you'd like to come and see you i'm see me i might help you um uh, understand about the flow of prosperity mm. how that works and how it works for you um individually um because uh, yeah there's a definite uh, understanding about that um um, about the law of abundance and um, and I always talk about abundance on many levels because take the label off um, abundance is also about your personal happiness as well feeling abundant in your friendships and your relationships so if we start taking the labels off say abundance and just don't channel it into just financial abundance we actually then get a holistic view of our state of being wow yeah. That sounds like a great place to be. I should, uh, yeah, yes. take some notes out of that abundance book. Um, you're going to, talking of abundance, you know, Ibiza is one of these places where um, we feel like we have a lot and actually we don't need so much to be here to enjoy life. And that's, you know, I think something that the well-being industry here is is kind of overlooking somehow because there's a lot of people on this island and also hopefully people that are listening to this show that, you know, would love to come and see you for a reading but genuinely really just you know, don't have the funds or they're so stuck, they don't know how to figure out um, how to come and see you. So we are going to put a little something back into the island pot um, through the course of this podcast. So you are making a little offering, is that right? I am. And um, I certainly would be very happy to offer somebody a free session with me. Um, It's something that I do anyway to people that I know that... um, uh that I feel genuinely have um a need and um and and it is my gift to be able to give quite happily now and again because mm. I like to feel that uh you know I I I receive so much from life and um generosity and kindness and people have certainly shown me many kindnesses in my life that I always feel that uh, it's it's an energy that goes around to others as well. So I always like to contribute in many different ways, um, and not just by offering now and again a free session to people, but um, there are many ways that one contribute um, and share 
in our community. And I certainly love to do that. You know, I've got my favourite things that I get involved with and uh, um, uh, Care for Cats being one of them on the island because, as you know, we've got quite a few and um, and some other animal sanctuaries and things uh, for the homeless here on the island. So it's all kind of like... It's not, I'm not trying to pat my own back here, but I always believe that we're part of a community and so um, my abundance is, is to go around also to others. I like to share. Well, thank you very much for that. I really do appreciate that. And if anyone does want to get in touch with us about that free session, the email address is just the good news, please at gmail.com. So we'll be uh, keeping a key eye on the inbox and uh, sending someone your way. But thank you so much yeah, for joining pleasure. us here on the Reset Rebel. A wonderful pleasure, Joe. Thank you so much. And uh, I want to say many blessings to you and to all of you.